Do you want to take a, oop, I lost you. Hi, I'm still here. Oh, I lost you on my screen. (laughs) (laughs) I'm still in your ears though. I know. I can't do. I'll find you. (laughs) Welcome to Book Talk Etc., a podcast bound to grow your TBR. I'm Tina from TBR Etc. And I'm Renee from It's Book Talk. This is a conversational podcast about books and more from two Midwest mood readers who are easily distracted by new releases. Today is our very first episode. We'll share something that we've been loving lately, review our latest read, have book talk about the books we recommend to a wide range of readers, and wrap things up with our shelf edition. We're a new podcast, so if you like what you hear, we'd love for you to follow us on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Hey, Tina. Hey, Renee. How are you? Good. Good. I am very excited to get this podcast out there. Finally, I feel like we've been working on it behind the scenes for a while, but now it's to the people. I know we have. Who knew a podcast was so much work? Uh, Right. I know. but Well, we do now, but it's been fun, but yeah. But I'm excited to to get it to you guys, the listeners. But before we get into our book talk, tell me, what are you loving this week? This week, I, and every week, actually, since I discovered this app, it is called the Book Buddy app. I actually have the pro edition. Um, I double checked. There is two editions. This one is $4.99. And that, and yeah, one-time charge. It's a book management tool. It can keep track of up to or more than 10,000 books. Oh my gosh. Which I I don't even, I don't know how many I have, but the free version, I believe you can only organize 50 books for most book lovers, probably the the pro edition. What you can do is input any book that you find either by searching it online or by scanning the barcode or by pulling it up on Google, I believe. And then that add it to your library. So, and then you can make shelves almost a little bit like what you can do on Goodreads, but this is tailored to however you would like your shelf to be. Like I have a, I have mine organized by advanced copies where, so every time I get one, I, I put it in and I have it then organized by publication date. So that really? I can just, yes, it's, okay, um, it's fantastic. So yeah. And then I have a separate personal TBR where I try to keep track of any other book that I just want to read. And then you can also keep track of books you loaned out and then you just categorize them with a little snippet. And then you can also then mark them as read and whether you liked it, whether you didn't like it. And what I like about this is no one else can see it unless you mm-hmm. choose to share it, which you can. You can easily share your entire shelf or your a list or a category, but you don't have to. That is what I'm loving every single day because I, I really use it every day. It's the Book Buddy Pro app. That is so smart. And I actually do have it on my phone because when you said it, I'm like, I think I have this, but I haven't used it yet. And now I'm trying to figure out, I'll have to look and see if it's the pro version or the free version, Mm -hmm. because I am very bad at keeping track of ARCs. So ARCs are advanced reader copies and they're books that we get in advance for consideration, for review and all of those things. I'm 
I'm always bad at knowing when they're coming out and I kind of just write it down in my calendar, but this feels like a much better way. Oh, it's so nice. It's such a smart way to use it. But then too, I like that you can have it kind of as your personal library. And I do loan books out and immediately forget which ones I loaned and then Mm -hmm. they're gone forever. (laughs) I love that. Great suggestion. It's such a nice app, um, especially, well, they update it too. So they're always coming out with new things. I don't even think I use every feature that they have. It's definitely worth $5. That's Oh, please. That's yes. an expensive Starbucks. <laughs> oh, I know. Coffee. It exactly. would be worth it. It's a, exactly. and it, it's a one-time charge. It's not Which is great. monthly. It's not monthly. And I like no. paying for apps that are like high quality, especially one-time fees. So exactly. To do that. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So what are you, what are you loving this week? So this week I got to visit a bookstore in person. So I definitely had to share. It was the first time I had been inside a bookstore since 2019. I was in Chicago. My. Yeah. I was in Chicago for work. And, um, I happened to, I knew part of my day. I'm like, I got to go to my favorite bookstore. So I went down um, the street and it's the dial and it's in downtown Chicago off Michigan Avenue. And it's in what's called the fine arts building. If you're on Instagram a fair amount, you might've seen me post about it, or mm-hmm. you probably have seen their interior. Cause it's so beautiful. It's literally floor to ceiling bookshelves. They have a big fiddly fig plant in the corner. It's cozy and small and just very welcoming. Like I truly want to sit there all day, but then I kind of feel nervous. Like I always get self-conscious when I'm in like really small (laughs) bookstores. It really does look like somebody's personal library, but obviously it's a store and they have a combination of both used books as well as new books. So it's a great, and it's a female owned store and she is a woman of color. So I'm always like, okay, even better. Right. Oh, great. Um, Yes. So I bought the new Katsuo Ishiguro book, Clara and the Sun, and it's not my typical read, but I'm also, I guess I'm trying to expand my horizon. So this book is about a sentient robot who makes observations about humans and explores what it means to love something. It just sounded so good to me. I love the cover. It's very beautiful, simple, and red. So I was like, all right, this feels like a, a book that's worthy of being on my shelves. Although I've kind of taken to working from home, it was really nice to get out and about and walk around around Mm -hmm. the city. So it was such a lovely way to spend a part of an afternoon. So that was the dial and it's in Chicago. That sounds so nice. And that's such a long time. I would, I'm definitely coming to (laughs) Chicago for sure. And I would love to, I'm sure you have more than one bookstore. So I can't wait. We're going to have to hit. We'll have to do a a bookstore tour. Yes. Sometime in the future. Yes. Maybe, maybe the summer, that would be great. Do you think you're going to read that soon? I need to organize my life. So <laughs> <laughs> maybe I'll use my, the book buddy app and get there my stuff together and fit it in. Cause that's my problem is I will pick up books or I get them sent whatever. And then I'm like, yeah, yeah, it's on my TBR, but I really would love to come up with more of a plan, like more of a, like we just said in the intro, we're mood readers. So it's very hard for me to like have and stick to a plan, but yes, it's on my immediate TBR. So hopefully sometime here soon. Okay. I'll, I'll wait for your thoughts. Okay. Tell me about your latest read. Okay. My latest read is an audiobook called Hooked by Michael Moss. It's narrated by Scott Brick. The tagline is food, free will, and how the food giants exploit our addictions. Pick this up because I'm very fascinated by the psychology of how we are could possibly be manipulated at the grocery. I'm not big on processed foods anyways, but I do get tempted <laughs> 
<laughs> by the center aisles here and there. But I try, I try to to kind of avoid them, as um, they say, avoid the center aisles. And I can do that now because I don't have small kids at home asking right. for all of the cookies and the chips and the cereals like that. This is parts about marketing, the psychology, how the food industry has been in cahoots with the tobacco industry, mm -hmm. which is, I was so surprised by, I want to say Philip Morris owned part of craft or something weird that I, I just had no idea of the, of just how they were kind of all tied in together. And then what is it that they actually do to entice us into staying addicted to processed foods? whether it's high sugar foods, high fat foods, how they change the wording, a lot of that we probably know about, but this really went into some really interesting details that I didn't know about. So also a lot about how places like McDonald's have been sued. And I, I thought it was very interesting. The parts with this psychology were, were much more interesting to me. And then I kind of blazed over on a lot of the heavy science parts. In the end, I think it is a worthwhile read. I really overall enjoyed it. And that was Hooked by Michael Moss. Well, that sounds good. And it actually reminds me of, um, you know, the Got Milk campaigns? Like, mm -hmm, yeah. And so that's actually all about basically people. It, milk used to be a staple in households in like the 50s, 60s, whatever, in, in uh, elementary schools. And then when things like Coca-Cola came out and Gatorade and Snapple and all of these other options milk sales started to decline. So actually it's, it's the marketing of big milk basically came up with these ads that got milk with the mustache and all of that. And basically like pushed, they were, they, it's very effective. Cause obviously like we can all kind of picture those ads. Yeah. I remember that I was reading about that at some point that it was essentially to sell a product and because oh, right. their, their sales have been declined. One thing that I do remember thinking, I had no idea the amount of money that must go into how they invest in manipulating us. So they, these, these large food giants have behavioral psychologists on staff mm -hmm. and they are, their job is to track how long shoppers spend looking at certain products. So how long their eye? I mean, they can tell you how long your eyes rest on the macaroni and cheese box or which brand, or it's very interesting. That is interesting. Yeah. Well, thanks. I, I want yeah. it's one of my goals to get a little bit more into nonfiction because I basically only read if I am reading nonfiction, it's like social justice or memoir. Mm -hmm. like that's basically my lane. But then I hear about books like this. I'm like, why wouldn't I pick that up? That sounds fascinating. Well, this and it was very engaging. I wouldn't say that that all of these that I've tried here and there, some are boring, some aren't, but I thought this one was really well done. Good. Okay. I really did. Well, thanks for sharing. So yeah, what's your latest read? So my latest read is When I Ran Away by Alona Bannister, and I loved it. It is a book that I think is going to end up on my top reads of 2021. So I'm always very excited when I discover those early in the year. Yeah. But it is a book that examines motherhood, class, and grief via Gigi, an unflinchingly honest and hilarious woman. And she's from Staten Island. But the book itself opens on September 11th, 2001, when Gigi was trying to get back home from Manhattan after the first tower fell. Very unbelievably, she runs into a man that she recognized is from work and he works in the same building as her. And I guess they had ran into each other at the coffee shop. He's on this boat and she knows that he's English and is not, you know, he lives in Manhattan. So he has no place to go once they get to Staten Island. 
she basically says, sure, come home with me. And, you know, she takes him with her where her family is about to receive the worst news of their lives. The story flashes forward to 10 years later when Gigi, now a single mother, runs into this man called Harry again and sparks fly. The two have a beautiful life together, but after a rough postpartum experience, she essentially walks away, which is the kickoff point to the present day in the story. And the author's observations about marriage and motherhood were spot on. It was, it gave me a real feeling of solidarity in a time that I think can be very isolating. The character Gigi was both self-deprecating and hilarious, and you just feel for her. And, And by the end, I really wanted to give her a hug. This was very dark in parts. All in all, I think it was an incredibly solid debut. The first couple chapters, it might've been the first chapter or two was literally so gripping. I remember sitting there and reading like 75 pages in one sitting, which I think says a lot. This is on my highly recommended list. And this was when I ran away by Alona Bannister. Oh, I love books set in London. No, it's only set in New York. The guy just happens to be from London. Wait, did I? Wait a minute. No, they do live in London for a while. Yeah, Yeah, you said they met up. Yeah, they they reconnect in London. They do. Yeah, that's right. Okay, but why is she there? See, this is my brain. I'm like, I read this a few weeks ago. I'm like, why is she in London? How'd she get there? I don't know. Anyway, we might. Well, I'm liking (laughs) I'm liking this trend of motherhood books, and I immediately thought, oh, this might be a good book flight with the push. Yes, completely different, but also. Absolutely yeah. think that Motherhood. this would pair well with the push. This takes a different tack, I think, but totally agree right. that if you liked one, you would like the other, in my opinion. You're likely to like both. Oh, um, I like the sound. Okay. This week, we wanted to share a bit more about us so you get an idea about our reading taste. So I am a person that is always reading. I've always been the person, I think, where friends, if they want to think of a book or want to get a book recommendation, they come to me first. And that's kind of how I got into the whole recommending books on the internet gig. I am generally in the middle of at least two books at a time, sometimes as many as three to four. And typically it's a mix of audiobooks and eBooks. I do like physical books, but a lot of times I just collect them for my home library because I like to have them. In general, I tend to read a mix of contemporary fiction, literary fiction, mystery or thriller, and nonfiction, but specifically in the memoir or essay space. I have been tracking my reading for the last 11 years. And historically, I tend to finish around 100 books a year. Awesome. When you say tracking, is that on Goodreads? It started with Goodreads. Yes. So I've been doing Goodreads since about, I think it was 2009. Does that make it 11 or 12 years? Now I have a journal too that I just write it down because I kind of like the analog way. I have so many ways to track my reading. When I tell you I have Goodreads, I have the story graph, I have a journal, I have a spreadsheet. It's a lot. So but it's fun. I don't know. This is the way I like to nerd out with my books. I know. I I think I want a book journal. I might start that. That sounds that sounds like something I need that I don't have. Right. Why would I mean, let's start something else? Why not? You know? I know. Why not? I also am a little similar to you. I'm all I'm always reading typically more than one book, but not that many, not three or four. I usually have an audiobook going. I always have an ebook going. I kind of prefer to read ebooks um, or audiobooks, mm-hmm. but I really like having print books around. And then this past year, I don't know why, or I, I got back into print books. And I think it's a little bit because I've been having to wear my glasses with my Kindle anyways, otherwise the font is too big. So I started buying more print books and I kind of like it. 
getting back um, into it. Okay. Yeah. So I used, you can't replace like the feeling of a book in your hand, you know, like, and, it, and it I is, thought that I didn't miss it or need it, but I did kind of miss having a print book here and there. I typically read a whole lot of mystery and thrillers. Mm-hmm. It's kind of my go-to. I, I really, really enjoy contemporary fiction slash literary fiction with anything that has to do with characters that mm. just stay with me. Yep. So it, they could be involved in family drama. They could be involved in sagas. It could fall under historical fiction. I guess those are the books that I tend to put at the top of my list, ones that are heavily involving characters that I can't forget. But then I'm always, always searching for mysteries and thrillers. Also like true crime, a lot of various nonfiction that doesn't really border on anything boring. <laughs> so I don't okay. know. I could be not, I could... <laughs> not boring, no boring nonfiction. No Got boring it. nonfiction. Uh-huh. And who knows what that could be? I guess I, I don't know. And even this year, I ventured into a little fantasy. So I, I don't know. I, I'm willing to try it. There isn't a whole lot that I won't try. I even, even have enjoyed some YA and I would have, yeah, that wouldn't be my go-to, but I, I definitely am feeling more flexible in my reading. Yeah. And I'm kind of with you. I am more about, tell me a good story. I I kind of like plot driven and character driven almost equally. When I think back about some of my all-time favorite books, a lot of the time it is because I fell in love with a character and that's just what sticks in my brain. I don't read a lot of fantasy or like something that might be romance. Like I like rom-com, but like true romance, I, I haven't gotten into. I read a little bit of YA. I find that I usually tend to go for books that are a little bit for maybe older adolescents versus middle grade. I only recently started getting into literary fiction, probably within the last, I don't know, three years or so. If something is really literary, I might try it, but only if I've seen some good reviews first. Um, And for some reason, I find myself intimidated if I hear something has really beautiful writing or really flowery writing. I'm like, ooh, I don't know about that. Yeah. I think that can work really well for me in some cases. That's interesting. You said that about reviews. I go back and forth on whether or not I read reviews Ugh. before I read the book. It and, really can affect right? your Do you? reading. Yeah, mm-hmm. it does. It really can affect my reading experience. If I'm like, am I liking this book or not? And then I look on Goodreads, which Goodreads is a, a whole, yes. it's a whole thing, <laughs> but mm-hmm. that's why I like to find Uh, other readers that I tend to agree with, or, you know, I tend to value their opinion or their reviews. And I'm like, all right, what did this person think about that book? Yeah, that that's my go-to method. And you obviously were one person that I would go to see if you've read a certain book. I mean, due to the Instagram feed, you can't check a gazillion books. Um, So then I will have Goodreads to see If maybe one of your favorite people have read that, but yeah, I try not to read too much before because it does interfere with either maybe giving a surprise or like going in and thinking, oh, I'm not going to like this because they didn't like it. Right. So I try not to. So this week we made a list of our favorite books that we like to recommend to a wide range of readers. This was really fun to make. We haven't told each other what we're recommending yet. I, of course, overthought it and thought all day and all night, all week, really, (laughs) about which which five books I was going to talk about. Let's get started. Renee, what's your first book that you want to recommend? For my first pick, I chose a contemporary fiction that I think 
would appeal to people looking for family dramas with humor and depth and also not really on the long side. And that is This Is Where I Leave You by Jonathan Tropper, which came out in 2009. This is a story about Judd Foxman, whose wife in the very, very opening scene does something not so pleasant to him. And it's actually pretty hysterical. She kind of then is MIA in the marriage. He ends up having to go back home to his family. It is his mom, sister, brother. He has two brothers and his dad has recently passed away. Per his dying request, he wants his family all under the same roof for seven days. So drama ensues. It is, it's so funny. I literally cried laughing in several parts. I think that's the first time that I have ever laughed so hard in, in a book. You know, I'm not watching a movie. I'm actually reading a book laughing. I would highly suggest reading this and then watching the movie that has been made with Jason Bateman and Jane Fonda. I mean, it was so well cast. But, but the book the is book so first. much better. The book is better. Yeah. Which yes. I think I the mean, book is always hello. better. Yeah. That's why we, they make bookmarks and t-shirts that say the, <laughs> the book, book is, is better. better. Yes. Yes. So that is, this is where I leave you by Jonathan Tropper. Awesome. So did you read the book? All this could be yours by Jamie Attenberg by chance? No, I didn't. Okay. So I think this would be a good pairing, although I have not read your book, but this one is kind of the similar idea. There is a father that is on his deathbed, essentially. I think this could be a good book flight, but it's less funny. It's a lot more kind of sarcastic and almost a little depressing, but like a lot of that family drama, the family comes together, you know, how siblings and everybody plays off each other. I think that I love that if it's, if it's done well. Mm-hmm. And I think he, I think Jonathan Tropper definitely did that well in this book. It's one that I reread when I feel like, uh, when I feel like I need a, a good laugh. It might be time for that after this past year. I might need to do a reread of that. Reset. Soon. Yes. Okay. Yes. Well, so what's your good. first book? Along those same lines, we'll go into a book that's about sisters. For whatever reason, I always love books that make me cry. I feel like if they're able to make me cry I'm more, that's a mark of a good book to me. But to that end, my next recommendation is If You Want to Make God Laugh by Bianca Murray. And this one is set in 1990s post-apartheid South Africa, where the lives of three women converge as they're each going through terrible heartache. You have Zadwa, who's a 17-year-old girl, and she's eight months pregnant, living in a squatter camp in desperate poverty. And she is trying to figure out how she'll balance caring for her unborn child and her sick mother. Then you have Ruth who has spent most of her life being beautiful and happy-go-lucky. She's a former model. Now she's getting older and she's facing her third divorce and therefore moves back to her childhood farm and is coping by drinking. Her estranged sister, Delilah, turns up after she finds out someone dear to her is dying. And so to make things more complicated, a baby and a dog wind up on the sister's doorstep and they have very different ideas about what to do with them. So this is a story filled with a lot of heartache and a lot of heart. And it also deals a lot with current events going on in Africa during that time, including the AIDS epidemic, a threat of civil war, and of course, racism. 
The chapters are short and each woman got to tell her story. And this was one of those rare books where I cared about all three storylines equally. So I didn't mind the back and forth and the kind of switching of viewpoints, though I do have a special place in my heart for Ruth. This is a story about motherhood and forgiveness, strength and endurance. This totally captivated me and the ending broke my heart. So this one was If You Want to Make God Laugh by Bianca Murray. I second all that. I loved this book. So good, right? It really was. And I was also equally invested in each of the characters. And that's really hard to do. I will read anything she writes. I loved Hom, if you don't know the words. Mm-hmm. And I have, to, I have that one. Yes, I you read have it to read that. Yeah. She topped herself with this one. I want to say I gave like the first one 4.5 stars. This one was an easy five. And I can't wait to see what she writes next. I haven't heard. Have you heard if she's writing anything? I have not heard, but I did discover that she has a podcast and the podcast name really made me laugh. It's called the shit. No one tells you about writing. Oh, I was like, Oh, that's fun. I, you know, I haven't listened to an author and doing a podcast before. So I thought that was kind of fun. I know she's really active on Twitter. I think talking about that podcast. Oh, okay. I'll have to check but I haven't seen her mention another book. And that's Maybe what soon. I was that's what I was going to ask you when I said I couldn't remember about books that make you cry, which is what I am always looking for weirdly in my reading life. Make me feel. <laughs> I want to cry. Yeah, if it makes me cry, I usually automatically give it 5 stars. Really? Because in order to write like that feels another level. And I I mean, not every book can do that. So when it does, I think I'm just a crier. Like like I can cry in any book. (laughs) Really? Okay. I can't. Yeah. It's not very (laughs) difficult to make me cry. So I'm like, oh really? Gosh, that would be a lot of books. I'm writing five stars. (laughs) Okay. I'm I'm not then, I guess. Tougher cooking than I am. Okay. Well, I will head into my second pick. And actually that's a good transition because I know that one was set a little bit in the past, wasn't it? Yes. Yes. So my next one is historical fiction. It is The Stationery Shop by Marjan Kamali. It was published in 2019. And I think it does alternate in time. However, it is set mainly in Tehran, Iran in 1953. We will follow the characters over about 60 years. And at one point it does alternate to... I want to say New York City, but I'm not positive. The main character, Roya, is a teenager living in the political upheaval of Tehran, finds comfort in her local stationery shop, which was just the sweetest place. The owner stocked it with pens and paper and book and ink, like different colors of ink. And she just kind of lived in this really quaint part of a store that was in very different surroundings than to what was going on outside of the store. All of that changed in an instant when there was a coup d'etat and a boy that she had been meeting in the stationery shop. She was supposed to meet that night in the center outside and he did not show up. So the next 60 years is a little bit of what happened to each of them after that fateful night. Mm, I love a book it that is, spans a long Oh my time gosh. Too. And it was so well written. And I, I almost hesitate to say the way she described 
the settings and the food. Because when I hear that, I think, oh, okay, I don't really care. <laughs> but <laughs> but it really was such a huge part of the writing that, sh- that made you just really feel and immerse yourself into that culture that I, I just really appreciated that and really enjoyed it. And I rooted for both of them. What I mainly love outside of what I've already said, there is a resolution and it's bittersweet. And sometimes I like my stories to be bittersweet. I don't necessarily want or need the happiest of endings. And I appreciate, I appreciate an ending that makes sense, even though it's not necessarily what I may have hoped for. And I'm not saying that this was the case, but it it was a bittersweet story. I highly recommend it. I found the, and I found the ending to be pretty emotional. I'm pretty sure it made me cry. Anyway, that is The Stationery Shop by Marjan Kamali. Perfect. Well, I have a good transition. Speaking of books that make us cry, this might be the book that I actually recommend the most. And it is The Heart's Invisible Furies by John Boyne. This is a book about Cyril Avery, who was born in 1945 Ireland out of wedlock to a mother who was cast out in disgrace by her small Irish town. He gets adopted by a family um, named the Averys who technically take care of him, but don't really provide him at all with love. And they constantly remind him that he is, quote, not a real Avery. So he makes his first friend at seven years old. And this friend's name is Julian. And immediately Cyril gets captivated by him. It was such an interesting structure because the story checks in with Cyril every seven years. And we get to see him struggle and grow up, basically. So he ends up struggling with his identity. We watch as he navigates friendships, how he tries to live his life as a gay man in what was still a very conservative country. It is his journey to find acceptance and love. I read it when it came out. So it's been several years ago at this time, but this character has stayed with me and his name. I could still, if someone says Cyril Avery, I know exactly where mm-hmm. that came from. Definitely. This one is one that made me cry. And it's another book. Uh, something that I love is when books span a character's lifetime as this one definitely does highly recommend it. It's also a chunky boy. And I love long books, especially if I get to listen to them on audio, which I did listen to this one. And it does have the Irish narrator highly recommended by me. That was the hearts invisible furies from John Boyne. I second that. I loved this one too. Isn't it funny how you will read books and years later, even you can remember the name as if they're friends. Exactly. And it happens very rarely for me, but there are some where I can be like, oh yeah, Cyril Avery. Now I can't think of any other examples, but I know it's happened. That's how I know if a book is good or not. And why sometimes I wait a little bit to write my recommendation is if some of the plot points or the characters stay with me Mm -hmm. after a certain amount of time, I'm like, oh yeah, okay. This one, I might change my rating up or down depending as I step away from the book. I have always thought that too, that if it sticks with you because I mean, we, we do tend to read a a lot of books. Mm -hmm. So right. Exactly. If it can stick with us, that has to mean something. Definitely Cyril was a character that he would be really hard to forget. He was, Mm -hmm. and I, I may try this on audio because I, I know I read it in print. You'd like the audio. I may give that a try. That is probably, I, it's definitely in my top five of the last decade. Mm -hmm. Mine too. Okay, good. Yeah, I um that's a really good pick. pick. All right. My next one is a mystery mm. and I 
want to recommend The Last Child by John Hart. And that was published in 2009. This one I would put in the category of literary mystery, which basically just means his writing is excellent, not flowery by any means. The way he can construct sentences, and I've read several of his books, he, he's an amazing writer. This is a coming of age. And you have 13-year-old Johnny, who has a perfect life, a twin sister who he's very close with, Alyssa, and she one day vanishes from the side of the road. Johnny's family becomes fractured following this. His mom kind of spirals. His dad is not in the picture. And Johnny takes it upon himself to find Alyssa. So this search for his sister ends up taking him to the wrong side of town. He ends up interacting with a convict who at first seems potentially scary, but may or may not end up that way and may actually have more to do or more knowledge with what has happened than what he initially leads Johnny to believe. Then there's also a detective that has been on the case for many years, and then he kind of takes Johnny under his wing a little bit. The mystery itself was such a puzzle, and the parts of the book kind of alternated between figuring out the puzzle, but then very high periods of suspense because another child ends up going missing. And so it, it kind of gets twisty. Plotting was on point. And I have recommended this to so many people, and I've never heard anyone say that they didn't like it. That's my kind of my go-to mystery recommendation, and that is The Last Child by John Hart. I have heard you talk about this author before, and I definitely need to get this one. Yes. Like I, I need to invest in I just reviewed, well, I reviewed in this winter his newest book. He's really, really good. He has a lot, right? He's like got a big back catalog. He has quite a few. And he took he took like a weird five or six year break in between books where how dare I know I thought for <laughs> sure he's never gonna write again. I was really sad about that. I always, you know, when you find a favorite author, you mm -hmm. you kind of search for them every now and then trying sure. to to find out when they're gonna write. And he finally came back. And I'm really glad about that. He he's high on my list of favorite authors. Excellent. Give him a try. I will. And that is an episode idea. Books coming out by authors that we love in 2022. Do you know oh, I like it. Yeah. B bookmark that, John. I like that. <laughs> All right. Are you, wait, quick. Yeah. Are you a nerd like me? And do you actually wait, take, hold on. <laughs> you know me. I'm like, let's go, go chop, chop. Are you a nerd like me? And you actually kind of go to, like, take time to research the authors and see when yes. they have their next book. I love doing that. Yes. I love I'm always, doing that. I'm always on the hunt. And like, I'll see if it comes on that galley, I'll recognize an author's name. Or obviously if I remember, I'm like, Hey, who is that? Let me Google that author. And then I find out that they've written a book that I enjoyed. I'm like, all right, I'm picking that one up. I love so, it. Yes. Okay. What do you have next? So my next pick is, I would say along kind of a mystery suspense type line. It's also post-apocalyptic or, and or dystopian, which I really enjoy. This one is Wanderers by Chuck Wendig. This one felt very current, especially for 2021, because it's basically about a pandemic. You have a flock of sleepwalkers from all across America, and they go on the same mysterious journey. They are in bed, and all of a sudden something takes over their mind, and they get out of bed and start walking. They're walking with purpose toward a specific destination, and no matter what anybody does, there's no way to stop them. If you try and physically restrain them, they blow up. So oh my gosh, 
So it's not great. Simultaneously, you have a mysterious plague going around and it affects people's ability to think. It it kills people very rapidly. It actually was started by by a bat. Anyway, how it comes out is it's a little spooky, really, but very, very oh. interesting when you see like the origin story of the plague. You also have a group of people called the shepherds that follow the walkers and try and keep them safe because they're family members. They're their sisters, wives, husbands, whatever. Even when everything else is disintegrating around them. This is post-apocalyptic dystopian that had a great balance of being character-driven and action-packed. It is over 700 pages long, so obviously it's a time investment, but I thought it got even better as it goes on. This was one I was reading. I think I had an e-copy and I literally had to purchase the audio because I was not, I had to go do something. I was like, no, I can't leave this book. Oh, I love when that happens. That always is a good mark when you're so into Mm -hmm. the story. So I highly recommend this one as well. And this is Wanderers by Chuck Wendig. Okay. You may have convinced me. Post-apocalyptic dystopian are not buzzwords for me. Uh Uh-huh. Oh, I (laughs) love an apocalypse. I love an apocalypse. Live for an apocalypse. Really? Okay. Yes. Yes. Did you read the passage? No, because it's a trilogy and you know, I'm like, oh, that feels like a lot. I own the first book though. So it's on my list. Can you read that and then tell me if I need to? (laughs) Of course. course. I will. I'll do the recon for you. Uh, these are these are books that I have seen around and been curious, mm-hmm. but now you've got me thinking. You know what, Wanderers. This might sell some people more. My, I think my all time favorite book is The Stand by Stephen King. It's all time number. That's your number one. I, I don't know if I want to make that proclamation. Okay. But it's, I think <laughs> I think it is today. If you ask me, I've seen so many books like, oh, this is like for fans of Stephen King or whatever. And and this is the closest book that I've read that actually does compare to the stand. And fans of the stand will find that to be high praise. Oh, so. okay. I haven't read the stand either. Well, if you I've- don't like apocalypse. Then yeah, but that, I do like Stephen be. King. So that's why that one, I feel like that might happen sooner. That's his magnum than... opus, apparently. Like his like, oh, wow. Yeah. A lot of people say it's the, that's, he's so many though, right? I know so that's a whole other rabbit hole. We could go. Down. That's a Stephen King. It, we can do a Stephen King deep dive for sure, because I haven't even read everything that he's wrote. No, of course not. He is very prolific. He is. Okay. Well, I like it. My next one is one of my very favorite books. And that is, oh, it's a thriller. It's my Mm. thriller recommendation. And it is I Am Pilgrim by Terry Hayes. And I chose this as kind of a thriller that could appeal to a wide range of thriller lovers because it has a lot of elements that cross genres. And so what I mean by that is this is very global. It's also has a mystery and it's also very fast paced. So it checks off several boxes. You have Pilgrim. He is a member of the U.S. quote department, which is a black ops division of the CIA. The people in the department are basically a secret from anyone outside the department. And they don't really know that much about each other within the department. Pilgrim gets entangled in what seems like a straightforward murder mystery. And in the opening scene, you start off in New York City with a woman that's found murdered in a rundown motel. What's different about this murder is every distinguishing characteristic of her has been dissolved with acid. So they can't identify her. Yeah, it was creepy. So once you have that section, you immediately cut to Saudi Arabia, where you have a public square and a beheading 
is happening in this public square. You have the viewpoint of someone who is watching it and you're not really, you, you don't know who that is, but then you also very next session section will cut to Syria and you have a biotech expert who is found in the mountains with his eyes removed. And so all of these are just the starting point of what was an extremely fast paced thriller because Pilgrim becomes someone that you get to know his life, his flaws, and there are many. So the reason I really, really like this for a lot of people, you become invested in him. It's also like, what is going on? How are these murders tied throughout the world? But also, how is he tied in with all of this? And how is he going to figure it out and then save himself? It was so good. And I can see this one being one of those books where once you get the players straight and you Mm -hmm, you have a feel for what's going on, it's like not impossible to put down. And I do wish somebody would have told me that. I went off the recommendation of a friend who had been telling me to read this forever. And I really think the title threw me off. I don't know why. And finally, I picked it up maybe just like a year, two years ago. And it was my top read of the year. Oh, wow. It was number one. He's the author, like John Hart, we were just talking about. He has not wrote anything. He published this in 2014 and has not wrote a book since. My favorite part about this is you look so offended. You I am. So- <laughs> how? I'm like, when I start talking you? about it, Terry Hayes, how could you do that to us okay, as well, readers? You're listening, Terry, the readers want more. Okay. Uh, there's a title for the next book. It's there called, is. oh yeah, there's a title. I want, I think it's called Locus. There's no pub date though. Mm. Oh, so a bigger tea. There's okay. no All pub right. date. So Terry, we need more than a title. We've got <laughs> to have a story. <laughs> Love it. That was I Am Pilgrim by Terry Hayes. Okay. Well, I'm going to take a sharp left. I don't have a great transition, but this is another pick that I obviously recommend to a wide range of readers. And this one's called We're Going to Need More Wine by Gabrielle Union. And this is an essay collection meets memoir, and it's about her life. She is an actress who first became famous from her roles in iconic 90s movies such as Bring It On, and she's still acting today. This was so much more than a bubblegum celebrity memoir. She gets very, very personal and shares stories about the time when she was a victim of sexual assault, about being a Black actress, about her struggles with fertility, and what it's like to be married to a man who has such, uh, who's as famous as her husband. She's married to Dwayne Wade, who's a basketball star. She also talks about Hollywood and names names, which I always love. Like it's so oh, juicy I love to me. I'm like, yes, give me the specifics. There were definite heavier sections of this, but there were also parts that were so funny. And I remember literally stopping reading this one to text my friend to tell her that she needed to pick it up too. Cause there was just such, there was such an hilarious part where she was talking about her girlfriends and kind of the conversations they have. So I had to run and tell my friend that she should read this too. Gabrielle Union can really tell a great story. This is another one that I did listen to on audio and she does narrate it herself. And it was wonderful. And this was We're Going to Need More Wine by Gabrielle Union. I like the sound of that. It's always fun to have a a, um, celebrity memoir with substance. Yes, exactly. And it's not just like, oh, I did this and I'm so great. I did Mm -hmm. that. It's like, 
oh, she gets there. She gets very deep, but then also it's funny. It's so funny in certain parts. Oh, good. That that's on my audio TBR. Excellent. Something to know about me is I am the Google queen. Like I literally can't have something in my mind. Like what was that called? Or what was the name of that without needing to Google it? Is the book that you're waiting for called the year of the locust? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's the Terry Hayes book. And Amazon tells me that it's currently unavailable. So right. TBD man. Last year, early 2020, it said June of 2021 as a pub date. And I, People and I was so mad. People are so mad on I Instagram. To- oh my God. Or what on, are they on saying? Amazon. Okay. <laughs> New release I told date. you already. Oh my gosh. What did they say? New release date is June 1st, 2045. What a joke. <laughs> <laughs> How could the author of I am Pilgrim insult his readers with this tease about a forthcoming novel? How could Amazon allow reviews for a book that has not come out yet? Even my local library listed as an ebook, but you can't select it. Like people are so mad. <laughs> It's the phantom book. What an ongoing publication disaster. It's true. It is the phantom book. All right. Well, why are we forward to guys? You know, we can't have it all at the same time. Give them. I know. I understand it. It takes a lot to write a book, Terry, but we're going to need the next one. ASAP sooner than 2045. How long do we have to wait? I'm glad I haven't been waiting since 2014. Oh my gosh. I just read it like two years ago and I'm anxiously waiting for the next one. So is this the book that you're waiting for? Is this the next book in the series? Yes. I see. Okay. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. This is kind of reminding me of like the Game of Thrones thing where people are, the Game of Thrones book series is still not complete, even though the show has ended and people are like waiting with bated breath for George R.R. Martin to finish. Very interesting because now that's, TV show has like been developed, been shot, was on air and has ended. So I'm like, I wonder if he's going to write it along the same lines as how the TV show ended, or if he's going to create up something new. We'll have to see. Well, that's weird. I don't, I don't follow the show or the books. I read, I didn't all. realize that the show was over, but the books aren't done. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. I read them all. And you whatever. read them. Yes. I heard 20, they were really long. They are insanely long. I read them all in 2015, I think. And I only read like 30 books that year because I mean, which is still a lot, but for me, it was like, these should have counted as three books a piece. If, if not, oh, wow. Did you love them or what did, how did you feel about them? I don't know. It's very hard. I read them all. So obviously they kept me entertained enough to read them. I can't, I, I would never do that again. <laughs> it that way. Like it, I don't. Yeah. Because you say you don't read series. I don't typically read series. I think I used to before BI before Instagram, but okay. now I just can't stay in the same world for too long. Okay. All right. Renee, what's your shelf edition this week? I would... <laughs> Hold on. Okay. This week I have added to my TBR, a book that comes out July 6th and it is called falling Yes, by TJ Newman. I know this book. I have a feeling this is going to be one of the must reads of the summer. At least it sounds like it. Well, first of all, let me say she is a real life flight attendant and she spent several years on red eye flights writing this book. It is about a pilot who is given an ultimatum by a terrorist to actually, it's not even really an ultimatum. He is told he either has to make a choice, crash the plane or his family will be killed. And that, yeah, what exactly. And so this, this takes place from what I'm reading completely on board the flight versus wherever his family might be. And I love the sound of it. And also um, the blurbs got me because 
Don Winslow, one of my very, very favorite authors, um, he rarely blurbs a book. And he said that this was Jaws at 35,000 feet. And I mean, right. I, I don't, I will believe him and trust in Don Winslow. Oh, something else. Fun fact. She submitted this to 41 literary agents and was denied rejected by all of them and then sold it to someone who obviously said, you know, let's do it mm-hmm. and sold it for uh, seven figures. Good for her. And then the movie rights have sold for seven figures. Really? Oh my goodness. Yes. Two. So I, I'm, I think I'm saying that right. Um, if, if I read it correctly, but two different de- two different seven figure deals, good unless maybe her. they're both combined for seven figures. Either way, that's Look, pretty good. Okay, you can, you <laughs> we can do Google not. that one. <laughs> we, do we, not, we do not Google as we go. And I did not Google ahead of time on that. I just am thrilled to um, hear of debut author stories like that. Same. Mm-hmm. And I love that, you know, she was tenacious enough to really say, no, I believe in my story. I'm going to send it to every literary agent she can find until right. one finally said yes. So I love that. And I did a little, I did a little bit of digging and she did present this question to her pilots, I guess. And then they oh. helped, Oh, amazing. they helped t- kind of decipher if this was a real life situation, how could this go down? And so okay. I love that. I love so- the kind of true to life well, background she used her of experience. It. Yeah. She used her experience and her access to these pilots to help formulate right. an authentic story. Exactly. So okay. that is falling by TJ Newman. How about you? That one's on my list too. So my shelf edition this week was the last thing he told me from Laura Dave. And I saw this recommendation on Instagram from an author named Julie Clark. And she uh, she wrote The Last Flight. And I saw it and she basically said that she read it in one sitting and tore right through it. So I had to look it up. And basically it sounds like it's the story of two newlyweds. And one of them is not, well, let's just put it out there. It's the husband is not who he says he was. (laughs) And basically you know, she thought they were perfectly happy and that he was the love of her life until one day he disappears. But before he left, he left his wife a note that said, protect her. The her that he is referring to is his 16 year old daughter, Bailey. She lost her mother when she was younger and she does not like her new stepmother, but he's left the two together to, I guess, basically figure out what happened. It sounds like this was part suspense and a little bit of a love story, which I thought this sounds great for summer. It does. So I'm very interested in this one. And this was called The Last Thing He Told Me by Laura Dave. You know, they say great minds think alike. Why? Did you find this too? Yeah, I almost brought this. You're kidding. No, I'm not kidding. I have it. And I went was going through my May reads and I was like, oh, I think I want to share this. And then- And then falling kind of came in my path and then I switched it up. Well, those are good shelf editions. And I hope that we bring those back as latest reads at some point. Same here. Okay. Well, that's it for today. We thank you for spending a part of your day with us. Links to all the books mentioned can be found in the show notes. If you enjoyed today's episode, you can help us out by following us wherever you listen to podcasts and by leaving a review on iTunes. It helps us get our podcast out to new listeners and grows our audience. Feedback and questions about the show can be sent to booktalketc at gmail.com. You can also connect with us both at booktalketc on Instagram, Tina at TBR, etc., and Renee at It's Book Talk. Talk to you.
to you next week. Bye. Bye. Wait, hold on. I th- <laughs> My cat <laughs> is going to jump. I'm sorry. He. I just thought the door was closed. I'm trying to like hold him down. Do you want to go? Do you want to oh. move him out? I'm going to have to. I think he's going to jump and knock over the whole thing. Sorry. Hold on. He's like a mini stalker. He he didn't, he found me like way up in the spare bedroom corner and he's just hovering. What? What's that sound? Did you hear a cow? What? <laughs> what was it? I don't know. We were talking and I heard like a, like a, maybe it was your phone or maybe it was my phone or something. No, my phone is on my phone I'm sitting on okay <laughs> it's under in case and I didn't I wanted to muffle it and it's on vibrate okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say something dirty but I won't um okay never mind no I just saw your face and I'm like <laughs> I know <laughs> and I know my face throws you off too okay. finish out